Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and now I'm here with, not here with Jack and Riv. This is now episode 47 and in this episode we're going to talk about the Browns dominant win, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert's performance against the Patriots, Tua's against the Bengals, the ending to the Jets and Raiders game, the Giants shocking victory over the Seahawks, if Jalen Hurts should start over Wentz next week if the Vikings or the Cardinals will make the playoffs and, and then we'll finish off the show with NFL pick week 14 and the power rating rankings for week 14 as well. If you're watching this, you're probably wondering where is Riv? Where is Jack? Well, Riv had something personal today and Jack had a fever and he didn't want to get me or Riv sick. So I'm doing this show by myself today. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great show. We're going to do an all-football episode. Got a lot of topics. And, of course, we're going to finish it off with NFL Pick'em and the Power Rankings. And I'll also be taking in callers at the end of the show as well. So now, on to the... I'm just going to get this set up right here. Okay, so on to the first topic. The Browns dominated the Titans yesterday. And while I'm watching the game... I'm thinking about the narrative that was made before the game. People thought that the Browns were pretenders because they haven't had a real signature win. Their only great win was against the Colts. They got demolished by the Steelers. They got demolished by the Ravens. So I feel like this win was a statement win for the Browns. I mean, the Browns completely neutralized Derrick Henry. I know the Titans had to go away from the run because they had to come back at some point. But the Browns' defense played well. Baker played an efficient game. And people forget, but the Titans blew out the Browns last year, week one. They beat them 43-13. to So I feel like this was kind of a revenge game for the Browns on the Titans. But while I'm watching this game, the Browns are now 9-3. Last year, I believe they finished 6-10. I'm thinking to myself, is Kevin Stefanski the coach of the year? Does he deserve to be the coach of the year? And that's a tough question for me because while I want to say yes, I can't. Because there's a guy over there in in Miami, Florida, and Brian Flores, who took a team that none of us thought had playoff expectations. We didn't think the Dolphins were going to be in the playoff picture at all. And he took that team, and they're not only in the playoffs, but they have a chance to win their division. It's really hard for me to pick Kevin Stefanski over Brian Flores, you can see here, the Browns' offense was 22nd last year. They're 15th this year. But the Dolphins' offense was 25th last year, 16th this year. Their defense was 32nd, and they're second this year in points allowed. Brian Flores is a defensive coordinator. So they they made a 30-point jump in the rankings with Brian Flores from last year to this year. As bad as Freddie Kitchens was, and Kevin Stefanski is, of course, an upgrade, Brian Flores has made more of an impact on Miami thus far. The Browns had a talented roster. They underachieved last year, and this year, they're kind of doing what we expected them to do. Whereas the Dolphins, they're overachieving in everybody's eyes, and this is with an influx of quarterbacks. You start off the season with Fitzpatrick. Then you go to Tua. There's some drama around that. Then you... Switch back to Fitzpatrick because Tua had a thumb injury. Now you go back to Tua. 
I think Brian Flores has more of a case for to, for to be coach of the year over Kevin Stefanski, even though I think if the 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 award were to finish today, Kevin Stefanski would be second. Baker Mayfield, he had a great game yesterday, and there's kind of been this narrative that Baker has been bad all year, but in reality, he's been playing as good as he's been playing since his his rookie year. I mean, last year he had 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. This year he has 21 touchdowns. He's about to go over his number from last year, and he has seven interceptions. Before this Titans game, Baker Mayfield hadn't turned the ball over in a month, and he didn't turn over the ball against the Titans. What Baker Mayfield needs to be for the Browns is efficient, not turn the ball over, and chew clock because their running game is so dominant. And that's what he's been so far. So whenever Baker has these bad moments, people want to criticize him for it to the point where when the Browns were doing good, nobody wanted to give Baker credit. But I think right now people should be giving Baker more credit for how he's been performing because Baker, although he might not be the superstar number one pick quarterback that a lot of people expected him to be, he's not a borderline starter. I think he's, a really good quarterback. And not only that, but he's a really good leader. He's good for the locker room. And I feel like as a quarterback, if you don't have those other stuff, those physical tools, you're not as good as these other quarterbacks. You have to have leadership. You have to have something that other quarterbacks don't. And I think that Baker Mayfield has that. The Browns are currently nine and three and the remaining schedule is the Ravens, the Giants, the Jets, and the Steelers. So the Jets, of course, that's not a test at all. You have the Ravens and the Steelers, which both of those are tests because the Browns got blown out. And the Giants, their defense has been really good this season. I think the Titans was a statement win for the Browns. So was the Colts because they beat them earlier in the season. But I want to know what they do against a division rival like the Ravens or Steelers. The Ravens haven't been playing so, so good. Can Are they going to make it a fight against them or are they going to get blown out like before? The Steelers, they almost lost to the Cowboys. They're, they, it's a close game with the Washington right now. And I believe last week it was a close game against the Ravens. And the Ravens, they're, almost all their team was injured. So the Steelers aren't playing their best football, even though they're undefeated. And now the Browns had a statement win over the Titans. But now the question is, are they going to do it again? Can they get a win against the Ravens or the Steelers? And I think ultimately that's how we're going to judge them on how far they can go in the playoffs. The Browns and Titans was just one of the games that happened. Another game was Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans against the uh, the Colts. And I'm not going to lie. I thought this game wasn't going to be close. The Colts have a great defense. The Texans, it, they just have Deshaun Watson on offense. Will Fuller suspended for the year. And the Texans defense is horrible. But this game was closer than I thought. And if it wasn't for a bot snap by the Texan center, I don't even know his name. That's how unworthy, that's how unnotable these Texans players are. Then they probably would have won the game. The Texans would have won the game. Deshaun Watson would have had a great performance against one of the top-ranked defenses in the NFL. And as I'm watching this game, I'm saying, I think people are starting to underappreciate how good Deshaun Watson is. When I think of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think of four guys that separated themselves from everybody else in the league. Patrick Mahomes is one that's obvious. 
Then you have Russell Wilson. That's two. That's obvious. Then you have Aaron Rodgers. That's obvious. The next guy up is Deshaun Watson. Like I think Deshaun Watson is having the best year of his career, even though the Texans are playing as a team. This is the worst team that Deshaun Watson has had since he's been on the Texans. Deshaun Watson has 3,542 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 110 QB rating, which is a career high. Like This is a career year. Yesterday against the Colts, one of the best defenses in the NFL, Kiki Kute and Chad Hansen both had 100 yards. You might have heard of Kiki Kute, but have you ever heard of Chad Hansen? I've never heard of him before. This was the first time I've ever heard his name. I don't. I didn't know him in college. I didn't know when he got drafted. I don't know if he even got drafted. He probably wasn't drafted. I'm not sure. I don't know who Chad Hansen is. And he had 100 yards because Deshaun Watson was quarterback in that offense. It's just a shame to see how bad of a position that Deshaun Watson is in right now. You look at the end of the game, he's he's sad. I don't know if he was crying or not with a towel over his head on the sideline. T.Y. Hilton comes up to him and just tells him to keep his head up. You see the post-game press conference, and Deshaun Watson is tired of losing. I mean, this guy is a born winner. In college, he won a national championship. Even the Texans, I feel like with them, he overachieved. He overcame Bill O'Brien as a coach and made the Texans really relevant. They were up 24 to nothing on the Chiefs before the Chiefs came back, and they beat them. Realistically, the Texans should have been in the AFC Championship game, and the Titans versus Texans in the AFC Championship game, who would you pick? I'd probably go with the Texans. The Texans could have realistically made the Super Bowl last year if they didn't blow the lead to the Chiefs. So I feel bad for Deshaun Watson because he wants to win so bad, and I just don't think this is a situation where he's going to do it anytime soon. The, the only kind of... The most recent timetable I can see the Texans competing is in is in 2022. That's when they're projected to have $47 million in cap space. In 2021, this upcoming draft, they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a second-round pick. So they're going to have to nail the third and further for, and the third and further picks. So in the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round, I'm not sure how well the Texans have drafted in recent history. So I'm not sure if you even have faith that they'll even hit on those picks. Then in 2022, they have all their picks back plus cap space. So that's the year that I think the Texans can be competitive and actually surround Deshaun Watson with a good team. I mean, right now, this roster is filled with holes. You don't got a secondary. You really don't got linebackers. You don't have an offensive line. Your receivers, you don't have a true number one. Will Fuller is really good. He's an explosive receiver. You have to account for him because he's so fast, but he's not a true number one. You don't have a tight end. Who's the best tight end? Jordan Atkins. And your running backs are basically just old, washed-up guys like David Johnson, whose prime of the career were about three years ago. So they have a lot of holes on his team. But that being said, I think they should focus on building the offensive line first and that offense because... I think the Texans need to bring in a defensive-minded head coach. I know people love the combination of Deshaun Watson and Eric Bieniemy, but I think that offensive coaches, offensive coordinators that head, as head coaches are overrated. You look at the, the recent ones that have been successful, probably Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, and those guys are geniuses. On a defensive side, you got a guy like Brian Flores. He's been successful. 
a special teams coach and Joe Judge going to the Giants. He's been successful. The Washington football team with Ron Rivera, defensive coordinator. He was a head coach, though. He's been successful. I think this is like my favorite head coaching candidate for every like team I see an opening for a head coach for. I think that's Robert Sala. I don't think there's a doubt about it. It's either Robert Sala or Matt Eberflus from the Colts, a defensive coordinator from the Colts. You look at you look at the Colts defense, they don't have great defensive players, but that scheme is just so good that it fits. If you get a guy like Matt Eberflus to go to the to go to the Texans, he can make this talentless defensive unit look better than it is. And he'd be going from the Colts to the Texans, so he's not moving far. And in, in the past, we've seen that when coaches are in the market, they usually go to the same division that they were in. You know, just look when my, um, Adam Gase was a, 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 on the free agent market and he went to the Jets from the Dolphins. So I think Matt Eberflus makes sense for the Texans. They need to go for a defensive coordinator because that's the problem with the Texans. Their offense will always be good with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson will always keep that offense relevant, even if it's lacking talent. So what you need to bring in Houston is a defensive coordinator. And my top two picks are Robert Sala and Matt Eberflus. And to finish this segment off, this year, the Texans have the 24th ranked defense. Last year, it was the 19th. So that's obviously the part of the team that has to improve the most. So yesterday... Justin Herbert had his worst career game to date. I mean, he threw for 209 yards. I think he had 53 attempts and two interceptions. And I had a, I, there was a lot of people that kind of overreacted to this game. I know Dolphins fans were having a field day because Tua had a great game and Herbert had a bad game. So then here, of course, since if you get drafted together, there's a bunch of comparisons that come with it. But I honestly was watching the game, and I don't think it was that bad of a game. Uh, I, I think people kind of just are starting to underestimate the Patriots. I mean, Bill Belichick's record against rookie QBs is 20 and five and young quarterbacks. I'm not sure what the record for that is, but he tends to embarrass young quarterbacks just last week. Kyler Murray wasn't embarrassed. Kyler Murray had a pretty bad game against the Patriots. You know, I think we can all agree on that just last year, Monday night football, Sam Darnold, the I'm seeing ghost games. That was because of Bill Belichick. And Justin Herbert, he goes in there, and I don't think he was making bad reads against the Patriots. He had two interceptions. One of them was because he sailed the pass over the head of Keenan Allen, and J.C. Jackson came up with the interception. It was an accurate pass. I get it. And the first one that he had was intercepted by Chase Winovich, who was a defensive end slash outside linebacker. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't even see Chase Winovich on a play. He came in out of nowhere. So... I'll give him a little leeway for that. Herbert didn't play good, but he didn't play bad. That's just what I think. And I think people are starting to underestimate the Patriots. The Patriots are not an elite team. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. They're six and six. They're still in the hunt. They're, Bill Belichick has his team playing at such a good level that they don't even have an offense. Cam Newton, I guess the Chargers didn't throw for over 100 yards, I'm pretty sure. Last week against the Cardinals, didn't throw for 100 yards. He threw for 79, and they're still winning games. The Cardinals are a playoff team, and they beat them. So people are just starting to really underestimate the, the Patriots. They won four of their last five. 
they've had wins against the Ravens and the Cardinals. And people forget this team had a league high eight opt outs and had a COVID dilemma earlier in the year. Well, Stephon Gilmore was on the COVID list. The Cam Newton was on the list as well. Like this team has gone through a lot of turmoil and yet Bill Belichick keeps this team disciplined and ready to play on every, any given Sunday, like on any given Sunday, the the Patriots have two things going for them. One, they'll have the best coach on the field. That's a given Bill Belichick has earned that title Two, They'll have possibly the best defense on the field as well, along with the best secondary. This game was more about people underrating the Patriots than it was Justin Herbert having his worst game as a pro. There's nobody's denying that Justin Herbert had a bad game. But before this, Justin Herbert was historically good. And then he runs into Bill Belichick, and now all of a sudden, two was better than him. That's, that's, that's baloney. Two, two was not on the level of Justin Herbert. And I'm going to get to two on the next segment. Justin Herbert is way better than Tua. You look at the what the Chargers had, what Justin Herbert has to deal with. His special team's giving up two touchdowns. I, I forgot the kick returner's name, the punt returner's name for the Patriots. I think it was like Oshevsky. He returned a punt for a touchdown. He almost had one later in the game. Then the Chargers, like, can we just be honest? Can can Badgley just get cut already? I think Badgley misses so many kicks. He has a strong leg, one of the strongest legs in the NFL, but he's not accurate at all. The reason the Chargers lost the game to the Saints earlier in the year was because he missed the game-winning field goal. Badgley goes out to kick a kick before the half, and it gets blocked, and it gets returned for a touchdown. Those are two touchdowns on a special teams unit. Then you look at the play call, and you just see a bunch of screens, and even when the Chargers are getting blown out, you don't take Justin Herbert out of the game. You don't protect your future franchise quarterback. I know that Anthony Lynn hasn't been a good coach this year. You could say last year. I don't think Anthony Lynn is a horrible coach. Is he a bad coach? Does he deserve to get out of get out of Los Angeles now with the Chargers? Yes, he does. But two years ago, we were talking about Anthony Lynn being in the coach of the year discussion. So I don't think this guy forgot how to coach. I just don't think this team is responding to him. When, when, when you lose by 40, and you put up zero points on the board with a historically good rookie quarterback, there's something wrong. The Chargers need to clean house. They need to get rid of Lynn, probably keep Pep Hamilton. They need to do something because Justin Herbert needs help, and I think the Patriots game really opened everybody's eyes to it. People were kind of blind to it because the Chargers were losing so many closed games, so you want to keep giving Anthony Lynn chances. Oh, maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be the week after, because he's in all these games. But then after they get blown out by the Patriots and it's, in, it's as embarrassing as this, I think it's time to go. And I, I'm, I, don't, I don't even know why he's still the coach for the Chargers. They should have fired him probably like two weeks ago. It, it's insane. I told you I was going to talk about Tua, and I'm about to talk about Tua right now. Tua had a good performance against the Bengals, and all of a sudden because of this performance – Everybody's supposed to think that two is the second coming of Dan Marino. I know that there's this stat that quarterbacks in their first whatever starts throwing three interceptions and they want to relate that to Tua. It was against the Bengals. The Bengals are 25th in passing yards allowed. They're 20th in points. The Bengals allowed 25.7 points per game and Tua scored 19. Is that a special quarterback? 
This defense is allowing 26 points per game pretty much, and you score 19. That's not an elite franchise quarterback to me. Tua, I've been saying this, is a game manager at most. Is he going to have his good moments? Yes. Tua's going to have his good moments. He's, he's having a good stretch right now. He hasn't had a turnover, even though against the Bengals he should have had one. In the second quarter, the interceptions were just dropped. Sometimes it's not about a quarterback being so good at protecting the ball. Sometimes it's just the defensive players dropping interceptions. And I've counted a few that that, that has happened to Tua. Tua right now is, you know, he's having a good start. He has five starts. He's four and one, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. And you look at that and you say, wow, he's playing phenomenal. This guy is, is the real deal. And Dolphins fans, I was checking on Twitter. They were overreacting to the game. They were now saying that two is better than Herbert. You know, Dolphins fans, if you're watching, he's not better than Justin Herbert. Tua will never be better than Justin Herbert. Tua is not even close. Justin Herbert is Jupiter. Two is Earth. One is way larger than the other. One is has way more potential. That's Justin Herbert. You want to know another quarterback that had a great start to their career that was turnover-free as well? Kyle Allen. Six career starts. Five and one. His first six career starts, he went five and one. Eight touchdowns. Zero interceptions. Kyle Allen. How did he turn out? Not good, right? The start of your career does not matter most of the time. Right now, you know, when I, t- when I think about Herbert, I've seen special from Herbert. I haven't seen special from Tua. Tua is benefiting from being coached great by a great coach in Brian Flores, from having a good offensive system near him, having good special teams unit, having a good defense. He's benefiting from all these things. They're not asking Tua to do too much. Just protect the ball. Don't cost it us a game. While the Chargers are asking Tua to win us games. Nobody's asking Tua to win games. Nobody's asking him to win games. Kyle Allen had a similar start. Where is he now? He's a borderline starter, probably a backup, career backup. Do I think Tua is a career backup? No. I think Tua is a starting quarterback. I think he's in a Jimmy Garoppolo mode, the uh, the who else you could, you could put, like the Baker Mayfield modes. That, that's who he is. That's who he is. You know, Tua, Tua had a good game yesterday. Herbert had a bad one. Herbert threw for 209 yards passing, right? 209 yards passing is Herbert's second lowest amongst all the games that he played. That would be Tua's third highest if he had 209 yards. 209 yards for Tua, that's an excellent game. That's wow. You played great today. That's an excellent game from Tua. For Herbert, that's a whatever game. And that's the difference between Tua and Herbert. I, I just I'll end it off with this. Tua faced the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals, that don't even have their starting quarterback, their first overall pick, Joe Burrow. So you're getting way more possessions on the offensive end because Brennan Allen wasn't good against you guys. He's facing the Bengals. Stop with these hot takes that he's better than Herbert now. He's going to be the best quarterback in the draft because he's not. Tua won't be. It was the Bengals. Relax. <laughs> talking about the Bengals in a, in a, in a Dolphins game, we're going to talk about an AFC East team as well. My team, the New York Jets. I don't know if you guys were watching the game, but I was there in a bad mood pretty much the whole game because 
I went into the game thinking that the Raiders were going to were going to lose against the Jets. Last year, the Raiders started out six and four. They lost five of their last six, and they missed the playoffs. This year, they started out six and four. They got blown out by the Falcons. They're coming in to MetLife and facing the Jets. Last year, the Jets blew out the Raiders. This year, the Jets almost won. And I'm going to go as far to say that they would have won if Greg Williams didn't completely blow the game. And I think everybody today is asking a question, are the Jets intentionally trying to lose? Because it looked like it. I mean, just, just the last two plays of, of the Raiders' final possession. All-out blitz. A zero blitz called by Greg Williams. Who's, who's, he's known for that. But not in those situations, he's not. Nelson Aguilar would have had a touchdown on the first play of that drive if Derek Carr didn't overthrow him. Then the very next play, and I was actually, I was actually pretty upset he overthrew it because I thought the Jets' Trevor Lawrence hopes was going to go out the window. I was pretty upset at that point. But then the next play, an all-out blitz again with under 30 seconds left. Like the stat for this is, I, I have a stat right here. The Jets are the only team to send eight-plus pass rushes on a play in the last 30 seconds of a game this season. And there was another stat that was talking about the last 30 years. But okay, let's talk about the play. Zero blitz, sending eight guys to Derek Carr. You leave Lamar Jackson. Not that Lamar Jackson, the cornerback Lamar Jackson out of Nebraska went undrafted. Nobody knows him. An undrafted player to line up with the fastest player, the second fastest outside of Tyreek Hill, in the league in Henry Ruggs. I felt bad for Lamar Jackson. This is a guy that is trying to make something out of his career, and Greg Williams, you basically humiliated him on the last play. You, you, you humiliated him. It looked like the Jets were trying to lose. It looked like you called that play to try to lose the game. It, it doesn't, from the Jets' perspective, we love it because we want the number one pick. We want Trevor Lawrence. I'm a Jets fan. I want Trevor Lawrence. I love the play call. Yes, let's lose the game. That's what I'm thinking. But what I also realize is that from an outsider's perspective, what are other people thinking? What is Trevor Lawrence thinking? What are coaches in the NFL thinking? What are players thinking? Well, just, what is Marcus May thinking, a defensive player? He said there should have been a better play call. He threw Greg Williams under the bus. Well, I won't say he threw him under the bus, but he called out Greg Williams. There should have been a better play call there. And that's what everybody in the league is thinking. Because they see that the Jets are trying to intentionally lose. Nobody calls that play if you're not trying to intentionally lose. Like, I won't buy it. There are two exhibits this season that have shown me the Jets are trying to intentionally lose. Exhibit A, against the Patriots, we're up. We have possession. We just have to run clock. They call a play for Joe Flacco to throw deep, and he gets intercepted. That's Exhibit A. Exhibit B what was happening yesterday when Henry Ruggs had the game-winning touchdown pretty much. Like, from an outsider's perspective, who would want to come play for the Jets? Why would Trevor Lawrence want to come play for a team that's trying to lose? Even though I think the Jets will be better next year and they'll be more ready to actually win games, who's trying? Like, who's, who wants to play for a team like that? I don't think anybody does. And, you know, Greg Williams got fired today in the morning. And why did he get fired? 
because, you know, I'm kind of wondering that. Was it because Marcus May called him out? Was it because the Jets front office and Joe Douglas had to make a statement? Adam Gay said that he pulled the plug on. Well, he he basically was the guy who gave the okay to fire Greg Williams. Well, why does Adam Gase have that much power if he's about to get fired? Or is Adam Gase even about to get fired? Greg Williams got fired. And Adam Gase didn't. And Greg Williams' defensive unit in the two, in the two years that he's been here with Adam Gase has always been better than Adam Gase's. Adam Gase said in the press conference he could have called a timeout, but he didn't. So the real question is, why did Greg Williams get fired, but Adam Gase didn't? Why is Adam Gase still the coach for the New York Jets? Because if he's a coach next year, who wants to play for the Jets? Who wants to play for the Jets? Like, I hope that we do land Trevor Lawrence. I hope we do get the number one pick. It's not set in stone that we will get it yet. But from the looks of it, it looks like we're going that way. And I wouldn't rule out Trevor Lawrence just saying he doesn't want to play for the Jets. Because it's really, it looked like they were trying to lose against the Raiders. So a team in New York that's not a complete laughing stock is the New York Giants. They beat the Seattle Seahawks in a, in a really low score game. And it was a great game. I mean, Wayne Gallman had over two, uh, had over 100 yards rushing. You have uh, you have uh, Alfred Morris, who was used to be a Washington part of the Redskins. He comes and has two touchdowns, which were his first touchdowns since December of 2018. That was a great story. But the story to me this game was the, was the Giants' defense. Leonard Williams has two and a half sacks, five quarterback hits. James Bradbury was excellent. I know like if you watch like social media, you think James Bradbury got cooked because DK Metcalf pretty much stuffed his body into the ground. But James, Hart, J- James Bradbury had a great game against DK Metcalf. I think it was, a, it was a pretty great game against DK Metcalf. You know, DK is always going to get his catches, but he covered him pretty well. What impressed me the most was that the Giants held the fourth-ranked offense in the NFL to 12 points. This is a team that has Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, and I guess that's about it, right? And you can say like Chris Carson or whatever. But they're the fourth-ranked offense, and the Giants held them to 12 points. I think this is a testament to the Giants' heart, how Joe Judge has them play. He's a, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great coach. And even though the Giants' defense has been good all year, I think that this game against Seattle put everybody in the league on notice because now people are starting to realize, wow, the Giants' defense is legit. They have the 30th-ranked offense, but the 8th-ranked defense. The only reason they're in games is because of their defense. You look at their losses. They had two losses. They had a loss to Tampa. They had a loss to the Steelers and a loss to the Rams. The Steelers are undefeated. They lost to them by 10 points. They almost beat Tampa Bay, a team that is not living up to expectations, but we can all say it's still a good team. And the Rams, they only lost to them by a possession, which they're leading the NFC West right now. The Giants aren't losing in bad fashion. They're not. They're in these games. And because of that, I think if they manage to get into the playoffs, they're first place in NFC, NFC East right now, they can they can possibly upset a team. And you look at the additions they made. 
Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan. I think they signed Kyler Fackrell as well. These additions were good. Going into the year, I, when, I, when I saw that the Giants made these moves, I said, okay, their, their secondary is going to be respectable now. I think this defense will be okay now. I didn't see top 10 good. I, I didn't see that. I mean, teams don't jump from the 30th ranked defense to the 8th. They just don't. You get a middle linebacker who had a bad reputation in Green Bay for just being a tackling machine but not being a good player that can cover other opposing backs or tight ends. And he's been great for the Giants. James Bradbury has emerged into a number one lockdown, shutdown corner for the Giants. And Logan Ryan has been huge. This is a guy I thought I wanted the Jets to pick up. Logan Ryan, last year the Titans were respectable in their secondary. Logan Ryan goes to the Giants, leaves the Titans. The Giants are now one of the best defenses in the NFL, and the Titans are getting humiliated by the Browns. And a player I don't think people are talking about is Leonard Williams as well. Although he was there last year, this was like his first full year with the Giants, and he's been huge for them. I always thought that Leonard Williams was underappreciated with the Jets. I'm a Jets fan. I can tell you, everybody on the Jets hated Leonard Williams because he didn't get sacks, but he always was great at stuffing the run. I always knew that the numbers weren't there for Leonard Williams, but he was going to make an impact sooner rather than later. Numbers don't always mean what don't always showcase what you're really doing on the field. And Leonard Williams this year just so happened to be that he's disruptive but he's getting the numbers as well. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. There's the remaining schedule is the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. I see them beating the, I don't I see them beating the Cowboys for sure. The Browns, Ravens, Cardinals are going to be tough games, but I think one more win and the, the Giants are in the playoffs. Honestly, how the NFC East is looking. I think six wins can get you into the playoffs in that division. But a guy I want to talk about now is Joe Judge. Because Joe Judge is a, is a hell of a coach. And I know when the Giants first made the move, everybody in the mainstream media hated it. They were on Twitter. Everybody went crazy. Who's this guy? Another Bill Belichick disciple. People ruled him off. They thought he was going to be bad right away. And the media did him filthy. I mean, when he got hired, they didn't even mention his, his credentials as a special teams coordinator. They just mentioned his credentials as a as a wide receiver coach, and people judged him as that. Joe Judge was only the wide receiver coach for the Patriots one season. Every other year, he was the special teams coach, and the Patriots had one of the best special teams in, in the NFL. And now Joe Judge has proven everybody wrong. Everybody, I thought Joe Judge was going to be great. And after I saw the, the introductory press conference, like interview from Joe Judge, I knew yeah, that was the guy. That was a guy. Sometimes you just know. Joe Judge, the way he talked in a press conference, the confidence he had, he brings life to the Giants, something that Pat Shermer didn't bring, something Ben McAdoo didn't bring. This is something Joe Judge is bringing. Like, he's a tough guy. He stands up for his team. He's a no BS guy. He has his team playing out of their minds right now. And shout out to Joe Judge because in filling up his coaching staff, he went with familiarity. Patrick Graham, the current defensive coordinator for the Giants, was with Joe Judge in the Patriots. Patrick Graham last year was a defensive coordinator for the for the Dolphins, and his defensive statistics were dead, were almost dead last in the league. 
And Joe Judge believed in him so much that he brought him into the coaching staff. And now Patrick Graham is, you know, doing really well for that team, for the Giants right now. Joe Judge was a great hire. He's a great coach. And I think people, people have to stop being so quick to judge coaches when they first get hired. The same thing happened with Cliff Kingsbury. You know, I love Stephen A. Smith. I'll be the first one to say it. But Stephen A. Smith, when Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury gets hired, he bashes the guy. When Joe Judge gets hired, they basically bashing the guy. And all these mainstream outlets, they basically bash these guys without giving them a chance. And then it turns out Cliff Kingsbury is one of the best offensive play callers in the NFL. Not the best, but one of the best. And Joe Judge is, is really looking like a really good head coach. This is an offense that's 30th in the NFL. If they had more offensive talent, they'd have a winning record. So I think people have to be have to be cautious before making snap judgments about coaches that get hired. Not all the time will be the big, splashy names. Those guys, most of the time, won't pan out. Look at Mike McCarthy in the, with the Cowboys. How's he been? Sometimes these under-the-radar radar guys, not sometimes, most of the times, are better than hiring the big name. The Giants are division leaders in the NFC East, and the Eagles were totally bad right now. The Eagles are totally bad. Right now they have a, a quarterback mess. Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. The question is, who's going to start next week against the Saints? Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz? I don't know if you guys were watching the Packers game, but I didn't think that Jalen Hurts looked all that. I don't think that Jalen Hurts should start over Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts is not a good quarterback prospect. He's never been a great th- thrower of the football. What he brings is a different element to the offense because he's a dual threat. He can run the ball better, but you need a quarterback to pass. If this was Jordan Love, a guy who has exceptional talent and potential, yeah, you do it. Start Love. But this is Jalen Hurts. This isn't Jordan Love. This isn't Justin Herbert. This isn't even, I'll say, I'll even say Tua. This isn't Joe Burrow. This is Jalen Hurts. Will Jalen Hurts be, can he be a good quarterback? Yeah. Does he have good leadership skills? Yeah. What's his ceiling as a quarterback? I'll say Tyrod Taylor. Carson Wentz has proven to the Eagles and to the and to fans that he's caliber of having an MVP season when things are actually going right around him. Everybody is too quick to blame the quarterback when things go wrong. And I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy, but everybody's being unfair to Carson Wentz right now. I mean, can any quarterback have a bad season anymore without all of the media and fans calling for them to lose their job and get benched? I feel like quarterbacks can't catch a break. Last year, we're talking about Baker Mayfield not being a guy. This year, the Browns are in the playoffs. Eli Manning had three years of 20-plus interceptions. Phillip Rivers did too. Big Ben had 23 interceptions in his third year in the NFL. These three guys are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But yet, Carson Wentz, yeah, bench him. Because this is his first bad season, right? He's had three straight years of seven interceptions. He's taken care of the ball. He's taken care of the ball before. He's always had kind of a fumbling problem, 
But this is his first year with where his interceptions are, are high. And just because of that, you're going to give up on a guy when a, a few game wonder Travis Fulgham was his, was his best receiver. Jalen Rager hasn't panned out. Alshon Jeffrey's a shell of who he once was. You're going to just bail on him. You're going to bail on Carson Wentz. Look, I get it. I get that he's been bad, but so has the offensive line. So has the receivers. So has Doug Peterson. They all have been bad, but yet Carson Wentz is shouldering all the blame. Do you notice that there's a correlation between how many times a quarterback is sacked and how many turnovers they have? Carson Wentz this year is sacked the most times, most times that he's ever been sacked in his career. Career high in interceptions. Carson Wentz threw for 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns last year with no receivers at all. They went 7-9, and nine, but they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs with that roster. And he ended up making the playoffs. I think they were 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. It was one of those records. Can he just have a bad season and come back next year and recoup? Can they have a, a draft where they draft well? You know, they botched this draft when they when they didn't get Justin Jefferson. They got Jalen Rager. Chase Claypool, they could have got him. They could have got Jefferson. Could have even got Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims is looking really good. They didn't get any of them. They didn't get any of them. Let's Wentz struggle this year. It's okay to have an up-and-down season. Wentz has been sacked the most times he's ever been sacked in his career. Up-and-down seasons happen. Eli Manning has had him. Ben Roethlisberger has had him. Phillip Rivers has had him. Any quarterback in the history of the league, outside of a few names, have had bad seasons. Does that mean you're going to give up on him the, the first year he has it? Let Carson Wentz come. Let Carson Wentz get back to the Carson Wentz of old. Before you give up on a guy that's making $100 million, let him at least struggle for a few more seasons, not just one. And if you're going to bench Wentz, don't do it for Jalen Hurts, who I don't think can even reach the ceiling of a Carson Wentz. At Carson Wentz's best. People are overreacting. And the blame shouldn't go just on Carson Wentz. Talking about Carson Wentz, I'm going to move on to the Vikings and Cardinals because right now they're both clawing for a chance to get into the playoffs. I didn't even think the Vikings were, were in contention to be in the playoffs, but they sneaked up on this. Right now, this is the current playoff tree in the NFC. The Saints are in it, the Packers, the Rams, the Giants, those are the division winners. The wild card teams are the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, and the Vikings, not the Cardinals anymore. The Cardinals really kind of just messed this up. And, and the Vikings came out of nowhere. I, I thought they were gonna be a they were gonna get a top 10 pick in the draft this season. They're talented, but their defense is really bad. I will give credit though, Dantzler has been playing pretty good. But this is their remaining schedule. And it, this is just the wild card teams that are in the hunt. The Vikings and Cardinals are both 6-6. Six and six. The 49ers are 5-6. and six. The Bears are 5-7. and seven. And the Lions are 5-7. and seven. I think it's safe to say the Lions and the Bears won't make it. The 49ers, they have a chance. They face the Bills tonight. If they lose that game, I think it's pretty safe to say they won't make it. So I think it's between the Vikings and Cardinals. 
The Vikings' schedule is the Buccaneers, the Bears, the Saints, and the Lions. The Cardinals' schedule is the Giants, Eagles, 49ers, and Rams. I'm going to be honest here. I see three losses. I see two losses for the Vikings, the Buccaneers and Saints. I only see two wins, the Bears and Lions, if that. So I think they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. The Cardinals have the Giants, Eagles, 49ers, and Rams. The Giants is a tough one. That's a trap game. I think they beat the Eagles. I think they beat the 49ers. And the Rams, that's 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 tough. It really just depends on, you know, where you have the Cardinals. Do you have them beating the Giants as well? Then they'd be 9-7. I think this is going to be a tough race. If they finish 8-8, eight and eight, I'm pretty sure the Vikings have the tiebreaker and they get in the playoffs. So the Cardinals have to win three of these games. They both have pretty tough schedules, but one team is rolling and one team isn't. The Vikings have won three of their last four. The Cardinals have lost three straight. And it's kind of weird because the Vikings have a middle-of-the-pack offense. They have a bottom-20 defense. And the Cardinals have a, a pretty good offense, I think like a top-12 offense, and a top-15 defense. And they're about to miss the playoffs. They're about to miss the playoffs. The Cardinals got all this hype. I actually had them finishing 9-7 and seven before the season. They had all this hype going into the season, but something has been offered them. They've been losing too many close games. They lost to the Rams. It was a close game before Henderson took that run to the house. It was a close game. Ultimately, I think the Cardinals make the playoffs, but wow, this, this should not have been a, as tight of a race as, it been, as, as it's been. And I think the fact that the Vikings are even in this, because people forget that the Vikings blew a game to the Seahawks that they should have won and to the Cowboys. They should be 8-4 and four right now. People really underappreciate Kirk Cousins because he's a really good quarterback. And I know, like, if you ask people around who's better, Kyler Murray or Kirk Cousins, most people would say Kyler. They wouldn't even think twice about it. But honestly, you should think twice about it. Is Kyler really better than Kirk Cousins? As a passer, I think Kirk is better. What makes Kyler, what separates Kyler to most people is his running ability. But Kyler has been struggling against these better defenses. He's been struggling. I don't know. It's going to be a close race. I ultimately think that the Cardinals will, will make it, though. I think the Cardinals will make the playoffs. Let me know who you guys think will make the playoffs in, in the comments. So now we're going to go into our, our last two segments of the episode. It's NFL Pick'em Week 14 and NFL Power Rankings Week 14. So now we're going to start with Pick'em. NFL Pick'em Week 14, the first game, Thursday night game, Patriots versus Rams. I got the Rams in this one. People have been talking about the Patriots having, having you know, they figured Goff out. They know Goff's game, so he's going to have a bad game. I don't really feel that way. I think Jared Goff will, will do well. And I think Brandon Staley has that defense playing at an exceptional level. So I think the Rams beat the Patriots. Even though the Patriots have been playing better, this is a team that still does not have an offense. You know, if they can score on defense against golf, which is highly possible, then I see them winning this game. But I'm going to go with the Rams. I think they'll win this game against the Patriots. The next game is the Titans versus Jaguars. I don't got to talk too much about this. I have the Titans. But 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game. The Jaguars made it close against the Vikings. The Titans don't have a very good defense. So can I see this game going down to the wire? I can, but I'm going to go with the Titans. I think they bounce back after that embarrassing loss to the Browns. They have to bounce back. So I see them winning. Next game is the Vikings versus the Buccaneers. I have the Buccaneers winning this game. They're coming off a bye week. I think their chemistry is going to be better. Tom Brady is going to have more chemistry with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, especially in a complicated offense like that. You need more reps, and I think that bye week helped them out a lot. And the Vikings don't have a good defense. They're good on offense, but if the Buccaneers neutralize that running game, then I think this game could be a blowout. I got the Tampa Bay Bucks over the Vikings. The next game is the Chiefs versus Dolphins. This might be a tough one because the Dolphins' defense has been really good. Tua against that Chiefs defense, who knows what's going to happen. But I have the Chiefs in this one. I think they're the best team in the NFL to me right now. I don't care that the Steelers are undefeated. The Saints have been playing good with Taysom Hill. But the Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, I think without a doubt they're the best team in the league. As good as the Dolphins' defense has been, I don't think they have enough players to really neutralize that Chiefs offense. And I think that the Chiefs defense will play well against Tua. So I have the Chiefs over the Dolphins. Next game, the Broncos versus the Panthers. This is a tough one too. The Panthers are a historically bad third down team. Even though they're pretty good on every other down. The Broncos with Drew Locke, who knows how he's going to play. He's really inconsistent. They got weapons so he could have a good game. But I got the Panthers. I think Teddy Bridgewater, he's good. Their offense is pretty good. Like I said, this is going to be a tough game because the Broncos have like a top 10 defense in the NFL. So you can go either way with this one, but I'm just going to pick the Panthers just because of familiarity. I've seen them play a lot. I kind of have an admiration for the Panthers. I like Teddy. I like Robbie. I like the the guys on their defense, like Jeremy Chin, the young guys. Um, So I'm going to pick the Panthers in this one. Next game, the Texans versus the Bears. The Bears have been on a bad losing streak. And if they start Mitch, I think this is an easy call. You pick the Texans if they start Mitch. They could have made a comeback against the Lions, and then he fumbled. So I think Mitch always finds a way to lose. Even if they have foes, I think they will still lose. This might be a high-scoring game because the Texans' defense isn't good. But after what I've seen Deshaun Watson do to that Colts' defense, can he have a similar game against the Bears' defense? I, I do think he can. So... For that reason, I'm going to pick the Texans. I think he's motivated after losing to the Colts as well. So I'm going to pick the Texans to win this game. Next game, the Cardinals versus Giants. I'm picking the Cardinals. I know the Giants, they just won with Colt McCoy, which I don't even know how they did that. They have a good defense, but the Cardinals, I think they need this win bad. If they don't win this game and the Vikings win, then they're basically going to be out the playoffs. So I think the Cardinals need this win. They've lost three straight. I don't think they'll lose four straight, and I think Kyler Murray has a really good game. The next game is the Cowboys versus Bengals. This is a game of the worst of the worst, and I I think the Cowboys win this game. The Bengals don't have a quarterback. It's Brandon Allen, but Brandon Allen might be as good as their quarterback. Like Andy Dolan is not special either, but I think Cowboys, I'm pretty sure they're coming off a bye as well. They're coming off a bye. 
they'll probably be more prepared than usual with this game, and the Bengals aren't a good team, so I'll pick the Cowboys. But you can go either way on this one. Next game is the Colts versus Raiders. Look, I got the Colts. I think the Raiders, it was a fluke win over the Jets. The Raiders should have never beat the Jets. The Jets' play calling was abysmal, and that's the only reason that the the Raiders won. Against the Colts, who were actually trying to win games, I don't think they'll beat them. The Colts' defense is going to show up against the Raiders. Derek Carr hasn't been taking care of the ball too well these past couple of weeks. And I think the Raiders' defense isn't good as well. So, Phillip Rivers will get it going to Naheem Hines. Jonathan Taylor's coming off a great game. T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman Jr. I got the Colts in this one. Next game. Oh, this is an easy one. Jets versus Seahawks. This is a revenge game for Jamal Adams. Let's just be honest. Jamal Adams, please, Jets, start Joe Flacco. Because whoever's the quarterback is going to get hit. Jamal Adams is going to have a great game against the Jets. The Seahawks are going to win this. They're probably going to blow out the Jets, and I hope they do because that just means that the Jets are inching one step closer to getting Trevor Lawrence, and that's my dream scenario. I got the Seahawks in this game. The next game is the Packers versus the Lions. The Lions just fired their coach. Now Darren Bevel is their coach now, but I don't think it makes a difference. I think the Packers win this game. Whether it be the Vikings, the Bears, the Lions, the Packers have everybody's number in the NFC North. Every time they face one of those teams, it always seems like it goes the Packers' way one way or another. Aaron Rodgers, he's having an MVP year. He's playing lights out. I think the Packers win this game. Now the Falcons versus the Chargers. So the Chargers have got him, just got embarrassed by the Patriots. I feel like that locker room's already given up on Anthony Lynn and that, and that coaching staff. And the Falcons, Raheem Morris, is 4-3 and three as their interim coach. So they've been playing good football with him as their coach. And I think they continue it. I think Matt Ryan has a field day on that Chargers defense. I think they win this game. And their defense hasn't been too horrible since switching coaches. So I think the Falcons win this game. And I think it's a pretty easy pick for me. Next game is Washington versus the 49ers. This is hard because Washington has a really elite defense. Their offense is just really bad. So, and the 49ers, they have injuries, but I think they're much more of a balanced team. For that reason, I'll go the 49ers. They'll probably have Nick Mullins starting. I'm not sure. I think Jimmy might be out for the year. But even if that, I think the 49ers are trying to make a playoff push and they need as many games as they can get. And Washington just isn't talented enough on offense to keep up with teams. That's just the reality of it. Next game, the Saints versus Eagles. I got the Saints in this one, whether Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz starts. I got the Saints in this one. They've been playing some great football. They're the second best team in the NFL to me. And Taysom Hill, he's been playing pretty good. Like, you know, people like to make jokes about him, but Taysom Hill has been doing his thing. That defense has been better down the stretch. They're finally finding their groove. So I think the Saints beat the Eagles. Next game, Sunday night football, I believe. Steelers versus Bills. And the Bills, they have two back-to-back primetime games. This week against the Steelers, primetime. And next week, they're facing the the Steelers on primetime. Oh, this week, today, it's against the 49ers. So back-to-back primetime games. I think the Steelers get their first loss. They didn't lose to Washington, right? They didn't lose to the the, the Steelers' loss. 
Whoa, the Steelers lost to Washington. Wow. All right, so I think the uh, that's even more of a reason to pick the Bills. I think the Bills are going to beat the Steelers as well. Wow, Washington beat the Steelers. That's crazy. But I got the Bills beating the Steelers. People are forgetting that this Bills defense was an elite unit last year. They're finally finding their groove again. They're getting healthy. That offense is really good. So I got the Bills beating the Steelers. Next game, Ravens versus the Browns. Look, the Ravens need this game. They're they're this close to missing the playoffs. They need this game. The Browns, even though they had a dominant win over the Titans, I'm still not completely sold on them. I have the Ravens. I think their defense will show up and stop the run. I think they'll force Baker Mayfield into turnovers. And I think that ultimately Lamar Jackson is going to have a really good game and bounce back. Those are my picks for week 14 of the NFL. In the comment section, put your picks for week 14 of the NFL. And let's see who you got. So now we're about to go into our last segment of the uh, of the show, Power Rankings Week 14. After this segment, I'll take in like a few callers, and then I'll end the live stream. So NFL Power Rankings Week 14, my 10th ranked team in the NFL is the Indianapolis Colts. I think their defense is great, but their offense is a huge question mark. They're 10 because... Their offense puts a huge limitation on what their ceiling can be. You know, if their offense was a little bit better, they might be higher. But I think they're just limited because of that offense against better teams offensively that put up a lot of points. Will the Colts be able to do it? I'm not sure. So the next game is the next team I have, number nine, is the Seattle Seahawks. You got to slide them nine. They, They just had a bad loss against the Giants. And what I've been noticing is, as Russell Wilson has been forced to pass the ball more, he's been less efficient. He's not that, he's not Aaron Rodgers-like in the way he takes care of the football, you know. Russell Wilson, he slings a lot, and sometimes it costs him. And it's been it's been happening over the past few weeks, and I think because of that, you know, when you notice when the Seahawks, when Russell Wilson doesn't play at an MVP level, the Seahawks, it really looks like they're not a really good team. So I have them at nine, and I think that might be a little bit generous. Number eight, the first time they cracked this power rankings list for me is the Cleveland Browns. Dominant win over the Titans. And because of their run game, I think they can beat most teams in the NFL. You know, teams that I that I might that I have higher than them, like the Packers, like the Seahawks, teams that can't defend well, I think the Browns can beat them. You know, I think after a dominant win over the Titans, they deserve this spot. People have been sleeping on them. And I'll give them some love this week because it was a great win against a playoff caliber team. Next team, number seventh that I have, the seventh ranked team is the Los Angeles Rams. Their defense is one of the best in the NFL. What's holding them back is Jared Goff. What Jared Goff are you going to get? Are you going to get Jared Goff that is efficient and doesn't turn turn over the ball? Or are you going to get Jared Goff who turns over the ball? You know, it really just depends with them. But I think when everything is going right for them, they're one of the best teams in the league. They can compete with anybody. But that's the thing. When does it ever go completely right for the Rams? I have them ranked 7th. The 6th ranked team in the NFL for me is the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level. Adam Lazard is back. And Valdez Scantlin is, is more consistent 
And when he is consistent, you see those other pieces complement Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones is going. And I really just think Aaron Rodgers puts them at this at this mark. They still have question marks like their run defense, even their pass defense sometimes. Preston Smith has been playing great. But I think all that being taken into consideration, they're the sixth-ranked team in the NFL. Number five is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there could be an argument that these guys should be, a, you know, a, a team higher. I mean, they're stealing, their ceiling is still the highest of any team in the NFL outside of the Chiefs probably. But they're 2-4 and four against teams that are 500 or better. Tom Brady still hasn't built chemistry with his receivers. That offense is still kind of confusing to everybody involved. And their cornerbacks are young, which means their eyes are not disciplined and they bite on a lot of double moves. The Tampa Bay Bucks, they have a lot of problems right now. Do I think they'll get fixed? I do. But as of now, I got to have them ranked fifth. The fourth best team in the NFL to me is the Buffalo Bills. Look, their, their defense is coming alive. Last year, they were the second-ranked defense. This year, they started off really slow, but they're coming alive again. They're 5-3 and three against 500 teams, and I think Josh Allen has taken that next step into being a great quarterback this year. They have a good offense, not a good running game. Their defense is getting better. So I think Buffalo Bills are a team that a lot of people are sleeping on, and they could potentially make a run in February or January, January. The number three ranked team in week 14, I think, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I wish that I would have known that they lost to Washington earlier. I probably would have put them below. But look, now they're not undefeated anymore. They're 11-1. But look, their defense is still elite. Their question mark is the offense right now. Ben Roethlisberger is being asked to pass way too much after an elbow injury. They're not running the ball enough. But I think their defense is so elite that on any given Sunday, they could shut down opposing teams' offense. I slide them to three, though, because, I mean, when you, when you have a close game against the Ravens, who were completely hit, their team was completely injured, then almost lose to the Cowboys, and now lose to the Washington football team, I think you deserve to not be the best team ranked even a second. So I have the Steelers at three. The number two ranked team in the NFL to me is the Saints, and they're next. New Orleans Saints, they're 3-0 with Taysom Hill. Their defense is coming alive, and they have a dilemma. Do they keep going with Taysom Hill if he's undefeated, or do they go with Drew Brees when he's healthy again? These are all things that have to be taken into consideration, but I think with Michael Thomas back, their offense now becomes elite once again. Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, man, they got a lot of guys back there that could do a lot of things on the offensive side of the football, and their defense is pretty good. You know with Cameron Jordan, you're always getting pressure, so they're the second-ranked team in the NFL to me. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise. The best team in the NFL to me is the Kansas City Chiefs. They've won seven straight games. The Chiefs, it seems like the only way they lose is if they beat themselves. They're not clicking on offense. They missed some plays here. But look, we've seen it last year. If Even if their defense doesn't look like they're playing really well, they crank it up in the playoffs. This year, they're actually playing really well to start the season, and they're going to probably finish that way. Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL, and they have the most explosive offenses in the NFL because of Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, 
and guys like that. And people are people forgot, but they still have Le'Veon Bell back there. So who knows? Maybe maybe Andy Reid's been arresting Le'Veon Bell for the playoffs, and he's gonna unleash him, you know, around this time to get going more. This Chiefs team is the team to beat in the NFL and the AFC and all the football, and they're the number one ranked team in this current week going into work week 14. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. I want to thank all of you guys for watching. I'm going to take callers in a few. We're going to put the number up. So, yeah, thank you guys for watching, and see you next time.